Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm here with the shooter himself, Tony Depp, TLD, double zero. What's up? Man, nothing, man. A late night. Not too late for either one of us, you know, but it's a it's a night where we're, we're trying to do a podcast. Uh, normally, we do our regular even time, but we're going to switch it up on them, man. You know what I'm saying? We're going to see if we can bring that funk and that and that energy uh, during the nighttime. That's right. <laughs> we throwing a curveball at y'all. And it's Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> like Dwight Gooden used to have those knees buckling back in the day. Things started Man. to head, you duck out the way, and whew, it's still a strike. <laughs> there you go. You already know. We always say, hey, hey, Randy, for those who don't know, Randy Johnson style, the, the 6'9", 6'10", lefty threw, he threw some real smoke. When you talk about smoke, Man, I can only imagine being at the plate when that dude is pitching. I mean, it, it, it would have been, like I said, it would have been me at least about six feet off the plate, man, just trying to swing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't want any of that smoke. So, That's hey, for those, for those young listeners who don't know who Randy Johnson is, please Google him. Yes. And that one, I think it was an all-star game, John Crook, who was a left-handed batter, which, I mean, lefty-lefty, forget it. He threw, a, he threw a pitch, and Crook like, was like, like his heart <laughs> he grabbed his jersey and and I know you saw the video when he hit that pigeon when the pigeon flew through oh, there. Man. Hey, oh man, hey, hey, come on, man! Oh. Like, like I, I've never seen, I've never seen a bird just blow up like that. You know, he so that let you knew, I let you know what what kind of smoke that he was throwing. You know, you talking about, you know, he probably was always in the between the ninety five and one hundred five range mm. all the time. He threw some, he threw some real heat. You know, so for like I said, for my for all our young listeners. When you want to see a lefty, they should have probably been playing basketball. He could have been a nice stretch four. Mm-hmm. But he chose to play another sport, and he was actually really, really good at that sport. Yeah. And when it, and like you said, 6'10", by the time you let the ball go, it's already at your head. I mean, that Man. long arm, it's already – Yes. Yeah, no time to react. <laughs> none, none whatsoever. But I, I still think he could have been a really good basketball player. At 6'10", you know – I think with the long, with that long reach and being a lefty, to me, lefties have always been the hardest player to guard for me is for the guard because you see mostly right-handed players. So left, the left-handed player kind of throws you off. You know, it's kind of like, like a Michael Vick uh, being a quarterback is that he has a different kind of spin on the ball than a right-handed uh, quarterback. So it's, it's, it's different when you play against a left-handed player because he's, He's dominant and he's strong going that one direction. It's a direction that our hips are not familiar with. Look at y'all getting MLB in-depth knowledge from a man who don't even like baseball. Look at that <laughs> on the Believe in Kentucky <laughs> podcast from Tony Dale. I think I liked it. I liked it back in the day, man. I, I liked it back when, when, you know, right before they got to the playoff. I think that was, you know, the most exciting, exciting time is the, uh, the playoff hunt. And then, you know, once you got into, you know, your, your series – is you know now was leading toward the toward the World Series you know and I and it was always exciting you know to to have a Boston uh, Red Sox or or Yankees in there you know but 
the way things kind of pan out, you know, you think about the Washington Nationals, some of these other teams that have done extremely well. Houston, Houston Rockets, you know, have a really good pitching staff. So in order to get to that, that, that World Series game and, and, and win the World Series, you really got to have good pitching. So that's kind of like, you know, you look at football quarterback, uh, of course, baseball pitching, and basketball varies. You know, if you think about, you know, the Chicago Bulls just having a great, I want to call Michael a, a shooting guard. Uh, Lakers, you know, they had a really good point guard and also had a, a, had a great, a great player in uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and also big game worthy for those who don't know James Worthy. He was, uh, it, it was funny when we watched the last, last dance, he was talking about, you know, that he was the best player on campus for about two weeks until, <laughs> until Black Jesus showed up, number 23. You know who yes. that is? Yes, yeah. It was crazy seeing the footage of him just riding his bike through campus in like 82 or 84, whatever it was. Man, Mike he was, was riding humble, that man. man. Man, yeah, man, he he was humble. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I think when when you come from humble beginnings, like you know, you think humble. Like like say your your life will be humble because you can always reflect on where you started at to get to where you are, where you are today. And you know, he has built a lot of wealth over time, and a lot of that wealth came from you know the Air Jordans. I mean, just that shoe brand, which I mean, just you know, just, when I tell you, just like really blew up. And they was only, they was only thinking they were going to sell about three million and sold like over a hundred million old shoes. And from there, the rest is history. You know, so you know, just having and knowing that brand Jordan is, is still living, still, still alive and kicking, and still at the top of the shoe game. And this, and we know the story. Got cut from his varsity team. He couldn't even beat his brother Larry, who was my height, five eight. That's <laughs> all he wanted to do was beat Larry. You know, yes. that's what started to drive. If I can just beat Larry, I mean, I'm doing something. And then, and also, I, I think growing, you know, like I said, like, if you look at his, his dad, you know, his sister, brother, and mom, he like, Mike, for some, Mike got that height from somewhere, man. You know, he actually just sprouted up, man. And when you can, when you can go and, and gain a four or five inches and you already become like, you already a point guard, kind of like when we look at Anthony Davis, you know, Anthony Davis was a point guard mm-hmm. in high school. So, you know, he go from 6'1 to like 6'9, 6'10, and you still have that skill set. So, kind of like where the game is at right now, it's a positionless game. And as I train my kids, and I tell them, I say, I don't know how tall you're going to be, but I think everybody should learn how to dribble, pass, and shoot the ball, and especially dribble, because if you stop at a certain height, I say, you will be a guard. But if you grow to be 6'9, 6'10, you, you could be a small forward. But you still will be able to take care of your responsibility of handling the ball to bring the ball down the court. So it's something I really put a lot of emphasis on. And, and every day when I have my kids doing individual training, you know, we, we really, really I emphasize how important it is to learn how to dribble that ball left and right hand. Absolutely. Y'all, we are rolling like we do. But if you enjoy the show, just subscribe on iTunes. Give it that five-star rating. Wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, Subscribe and follow the show. That way you won't have to be like, man, if I if I caught the latest episode of Believe in Kentucky, it'll just be a notification on your device and then you can play it at your convenience. If you want to advertise, go to believe.com. Follow me on Twitter at Believe Podcast and you know, suggest your business or product idea that you want to pitch on the show. And uh we'd be glad to talk it up. 
It's like we talk up everything else. Uh, UK news, man, the big thing, I guess, look, you were an assistant coach for Cal. Uh, you talked about your time in New Mexico State last week. Every now and then they had those anonymous interviews. Sometimes you'll see them interview GMs. You'll see them interview assistant coaches and the pros. They asked assistant coaches, college coaches the other day, you know, about some of Kentucky's players. And somebody popped off and was saying Ashton Hagens was trash. And then we saw Cal and George <laughs> Justice, you know, respond and, 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 and defend their dudes on Twitter. Uh, Justice saying, you know, basically, you know, who got next and y'all talking all this noise and ain't got a lot of W's. You mm-hmm. were an assistant coach. Did anybody ever ask you stuff anonymously, anonymously about other teams like that? And, and what, what good is saying another team is trash and other players trash? What does that even do? Well, first of all, V, to me, put your name on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like don't hide behind, you know, Twitter, you know, or, or you making a comment and you want to go off the records. I mean, put your name behind it. If that's what you feel you believe, hey, you know what's said? Stick with it. You know, it, it, don't, don't go back and apologize about something you said when you really do mean it, you know, just because it's, it's going to make other people happy, whatever. That's how you feel. Everybody has an opinion. Doesn't mean it's always correct, but they have one. And just because you don't agree with how I feel or what I see it, don't always make it right. So even when people start talking about, oh, this person is trash, you don't know the grind. You don't know the hard work that the person puts into becoming a good player. But also when it comes to you speaking anonymously, some of it is jealousy. Is that you couldn't make a team or you wasn't that guy that, that people are talking about. Because sometimes as, as the media, you know, really start talking about personnel is that personnel you're doing your job but if you're going to speak on personnel please get to know who that person is you know what I'm saying before you maybe go and say okay this player can't play or he can't do this that the other is that you might have watched him when he had a bad game on a bad night we don't know what goes on in the 19 20 year old head we actually we do we've been there before so we know night to night day-to-day things change in their heads you know whether it could be something going on with your girlfriend it could be a girl having problems with a boyfriend, you know, so it's a lot of things that can happen that can lead to you probably having a bad game or just having, you know, a bad moment, a bad time. So no one is perfect. But to me, when you speak behind closed doors and then you want to be anonymous, I mean, come out, come out in the public, say who you are. So now we, like I say, we can put a, a name to that face. You know what I'm saying? Don't put anonymous behind it. Be a man. Come out and say what you got to say. And then, see what the rebuttal is, see, see what that person has to say about you, you know, because you're hiding because you don't want someone to, to comment on who you are. You know what I'm saying? Because what people can do is with Google, they can always, or, you know, they can always dig up information on you, you know, to see what kind of player you were or who, let's say you didn't make a team or now I see your, your physical ability. And I'm like, hmm, you said that about me, huh? And look at look and and look at your look at your structure. Look at your body. You know what I'm saying? So be careful. And that's one of the reasons why people stay anonymous is that they don't want someone to see who they are. And then that person can pick on them as well. Yeah, and it's like it's this they just crossed the line. They said, I mean, they said stuff like, Well, we dared him to shoot, we played off for him. Well, yeah, okay. That's that's I mean, everybody saw even fans saw, you know, Hagen's wasn't a super threat from deep. So you play off him playing the drive. You, if a coach said that, okay, cool. Everybody can see that. But when you just straight up say trash and just, right. that's just, you know, that's just over the line. That's too much. Well, yeah. are, are you 
saying he's trash because maybe you recruited him and he told you no, he wasn't going to your school. And mm-hmm. then, you know, because you, you sit there and say a player is trash. And when you when you really worked hard on your game, and the thing about Ashton is he gonna, he's going to improve and get better. You know, every, every player has a flaw in their game. And what you're saying is so true is that we all saw what he wasn't great at. You know what I'm saying? But he was good at a lot of other things. You know what I'm saying? So don't, don't just say his complete game is trash. You know, maybe you didn't like the way he shot the ball, but maybe, you know what, that wasn't his role. He didn't come – put like this, did he come to Kentucky as, as a shooter? Absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? He came as a basketball player. And I like guys who are basketball players. But basketball players mean – they can give me more than just shooting the ball. You know, I want a guy who can defend, a guy who can rebound, who can make plays for his teammates. And those are some of the factors and things that he did in order to make his teammates better. And on top of that, he's still a young man playing. On top of that, the toughest position is a point guard. There's so many responsibilities that you have at that position. And I don't think the anonymous person who talked, who, who called him trash, they don't know what it's like to play the point guard. I've, I've tried to play it, and it took me some years to learn how to play the position and to be somewhat successful at it. So I know what it takes to be a good point guard because I played with great point guard. So for someone to speak on a position that they never played, they need to get their facts straight. And then let's, let's, see, let's see what they did during their playing career. Or did they ever get a chance to play the position? Or did you go out for the team? Did you make the team? Or did you get cut? Or here's something else. You probably wasn't even good enough to go out for the team anyway. Yeah, yeah. Any of those scenarios are very possible. Speaking of playing with point guards, you played with a good one at Kentucky. And we talked about Anthony Epps, who was just named assistant coach in Northern Kentucky, man. So how about the homie AE uh was coaching there in high school at Campbellsville, but now he's going up to NKU to be on the, the NKU Norris women's staff. Well, you know, our, our 96 crew, all of us sent him a shout-out and, and congratulated him on getting a getting a new position. But, you know, very, very knowledgeable about the game. And, and as we're talking about the point guard position, you know, he was he was a catalyst to us winning the championship, but just the, the success of all of us. You know, I think you have to know your personnel, know the guys you're playing with, and you have to sacrifice. But also sacrifice meaning, you know, some of your game – that's going to help put guys in the right spot and also be a leader on the court. So that's something that he's always had in his head because they're winning a, a high school championship at, in, uh, I think, Marion County, mm-hmm. and then coming to win a national championship at the University of Kentucky and then leading them back to a, uh, another national championship game. It lets you know what kind of player, what kind of leader he is, you know, just being able to, to see things happen. Like, he, he, he kind of sees plays develop. And I think great point guards – you know, they are always a couple plays ahead of the other team. And they know other team sets and, and, and offensive sets as well as defensive sets. But he was able to make sure that all of us got touches and all of us were in the right spot to, to, make, you know, to make shots and, you know, then just be a coach on the court. You know, bring, bring players in, in in a huddle. And as I said about Ashton Hagen is that, you know, it's a tough position for a young player to come in and also think about getting to the next level. I'm not going to say that that wasn't the back of Anthony Mine as, as a point guard, you know, seeing all of us go and make it to the next level, that he didn't think about, man, you know what? I'm playing with all these pros. I know I'm a pro, you know what I'm saying? He, mm-hmm. thought, about, he thought about what can I do to help my guys look good and help us get wins. 
because at the end of the day, he was a championship-driven point guard, and he made a lot of sacrifices to make us look good. Yeah, just selfless right there, man. Wow. So selfless mindset, selfless attitude, like you said, just sacrifices. So yeah. Oh, oh here's my question to you, man. Since we, you know, we we kind of not to say we're all over the place, but I want to go back to football. I want to ask you a question about how do you feel about the Cowboys not signing Dak Prescott to a long-term deal? That <laughs> I'm diehard Cowboys. Uh, but I can't sit here and say that's not a mistake or I don't agree with that. You know, uh, I hate to, you know, they're not the Redskins anymore, but that's the big rival. But I think I dislike the Eagles more in the division than the Giants and whatever the Redskins name will be in the future. The Eagles are the team that just, ugh. and to see them lock up Carson Wentz mm-hmm. right there as a peer, a counterpart, him and Dak right. right there coming in together. He gets hurt. Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl for them. They still have locked him up to a long-term deal. He got his 30-whatever million. He was the highest-paid quarterback for whatever time it was to the next guy's line. Yeah. And for Dak to clearly perform better than him and still be – I mean, franchise tag is nice, but to still be in limbo from a long-term security standpoint, that doesn't I – don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. So do you, do you, do you think that – does he deserve half of what Patrick Mahomes got or not, not anywhere in the neighborhood? Cause I, I don't think he wants to sign a 12 year deal. I think he wants to sign a four year deal. So when the next deal come up, he can, you know, he can actually sign and get more money, which I understand, you know, him trying to leverage, you know, his position right now. But to me, I, I thought the best deal going and still is the best deal going. Cause I know Patrick Mahomes court supposed to sign for all his money and, and it doesn't seem like a lot of money is guaranteed. So a third of it. When when you think about a player like Patrick Mahomes, who probably could have been the first player to ever get, you know, four hundred million, or let's say even two hundred million, three hundred million guaranteed, I still think that Kirk Cousins, to me, agent, has done the best job of leveraging, you know, the position that he was in, getting him two franchise tags, and then on top of that, he's the first player to get all 84 million guaranteed. So back to that, Dak Prescott, what do you think happened after this year? Let's say he has a good season, they make it to the Super Bowl and they lose. Uh, <laughs> do you franchise him again or do you give him the long-term deal? And here's something else, you know, not, not to give you more than one question, but you think they're holding back because he is a fourth, he's a fourth or fifth round draft pick. I think fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You you think that plays that plays a big part in him not signing a long term deal? It shouldn't. I mean, at what point does does market value not mean anything? Like Jerry Goff is another guy who is same age, been to Super Bowl and lost, but that year after the Super Bowl last year he didn't he didn't play well. You know he dropped off a lot, but he already got paid. So I mean, Dak is comparable. Dak is not Patrick Mahomes, but he is. Right. I, I look. I'm not trying to be biased, but I put him above Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, and we see what these guys are making. So you know, bump him up above them. Is he should be somewhere in that neighborhood? Worst case scenario, above Goff and Wentz. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And another reason why I think you know is that he's durable. 
You know, that, that's the one thing at that position is can you stay durable? And, and like I say, you know, an injury can occur this year. We don't know when it can occur. But over his time span of being a quarterback is that he hasn't missed a game. So the durability has definitely been there. You know what I'm saying? So you reward a person to, you know, if, if I'm the GM, president, and owner, which that is your guy, Jerry Jones, you know, he's the only guy I know that, that, that holds all the titles. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's a WBC, WBO, IBF. You know, he, he is the heavyweight champion with all his title belt. Um, I still think, you know, when it comes down to having – you know, a great guy off the field is that, you know, there's more than just rewarding him for what he does on the field. You know, he also needs to be rewarded for what he does off the field because he's one of those guys that, you know, he can be the face of your franchise. So you're not only paying him for what he does on the field. It's like, you know, we have a, a leader here, a guy that when we walk in the locker room or, you know, when, when we put it like this, when the games are over, when practice is over, we know, you know, we're not worried about that guy. You know, he, he is a professional. So sometimes you got to pay for that. You know, it's, it's like hiring someone that's, that shows up on time, he does his job, or she does her job, she does everything, but she might not be great at, at everything. But, you know, the small and the intangible things, that's what I look for, you know, as I hire people. And I think when you're a president and you can hire the right people is that you want to hire good people that help your brand grow and don't tarnish or hurt your brand. And to keep it all the way 100, Ezekiel Elliott has already been paid. <laughs> and Zeke is still out there doing knucklehead stuff. You know, yes. He's still in the news for doing some stupid stuff. You know, his first or second year, he pulled the woman's shirt up. They were standing up on wherever they was at. Yeah. You know, you had to, you had a car wreck. You had his dog. That sells a brand, though, man. Maybe that's, maybe that's what sells a brand. He's bringing – Hey, he's bringing attention to the brand. That's how he got paid. And I mean, the brand. And, I, <laughs> and I know he's not the quarterback. The quarterback is different. Right. The quarterback, you know, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, you can't just act a fool like everybody else. Right. But, Tony, like I said, you know, Tony? Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of money for being a, to me, an average quarterback. Mm-hmm. And and not not ever did not ever did he get franchise tag, and he was just a, he was just an average quarterback. And there was nothing exciting about Tony Romo. Well, why I will you know speaking on Tony Romo, man, he signed a massive TV deal. Oh my God, that deal might have been better. That deal was ten times better than his football deal. It was like mm-hmm. what? Yeah, two years in, you get that kind of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's and then not and not to hate on Tony Romo, but a lot of people are looking at. When we watch football games, I am not really concerned about who the analyst is. Mm-hmm. I can care less. I can I can put I can um, press mute on my remote control and still enjoy the game. Yeah. So after after John Madden and Pat Summerall, it don't even matter. I mean, because those that was the those two back in the day, you know, was was to me. You know, he had Keith Jackson on college football. Whoa, mm-hmm. really? John Madden, right. uh, boom, and Pat. You right. know, but after you know, John, you know. John Madden was that guy after that, you know. Al Michaels is fine, but like you say, it doesn't really matter. No, there, there ain't no voice. When I think about when I watch football now, there ain't no voice that really, you know, that really just brings me in, you know, sucks me in and makes you want to just enjoy just that hearing that voice. You know, not to say, 
that he's, you know, he's very knowledgeable about the game. You know, he really breaks everything down. So from a technical standpoint, you know, if you're really listening, you know, you are following what he's saying. But at the end of the day, I think there's so many fans for so many different teams that, you know, they really just enjoy, enjoy the game. You know, the excitement, you know, what what's happening on the field and not really concerned about what, you know, what the announcer is saying. But, you know, it's, it's, it's something where having played in Dallas, you know, he did have, you know, he played for, like I say, the brand, you know. I hate to say I'm a, I still don't think they're America's team, but, you yeah. know, if you, if you want to believe they're America's team. They still are, but that's okay. You know, you try to um, say the Patriots America, are. America's team have won, man, America's team have won a championship in, 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 this, in, this, in this century. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> and... <laughs> And you, you, if I remember right, you said before the Titans came to Tennessee, you were a 49ers fan, right? Yeah, man. Well, let yeah. me just let, – let the record show that as as long as the Super Bowl – the long as the Cowboys Super Bowl drought is, mm-hmm. they still won a title more recently than the Niners. I'm just yeah, but, but, but the Niners can say they've been in the Super Bowl more recently than your team. And took two L's. Yes, but but at least they have the personnel to get back there. You know what I'm saying? Because if it, so, it's more than just getting to the playoff and winning one game, or not even making the playoff. But when you can get there, now it just making some adjustments. So maybe you know what? We're we're close. We're we're you know we look at the quarterback situation with Garoppolo. Is that you know they had a lead? They had a lead going into the fourth quarter. So at the end of the day, if your if your hundred million dollar quarterback does his job, you know, and, and and keep that lead, and just keep really just keep adding on, you know, even if you're getting field goals, you know, you probably can't get a touchdown every time, but you got to keep putting numbers up because the team is desperate they behind and they're going to keep being aggressive. But at least they can say, you know what, we got a chance to play in two Super Bowls, and y'all haven't got close to one in since what 1990, what 93. Is that 95, maybe? They beat the Steelers in 95. That was the last. That's the last one. Good shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You, know, you know, that's what happens when you hire Dave Campo and Tan Gailey and keep Jason Garrett for way too long. That's, that's what. Yeah, you- but, but Jason Garrett was like, was like a, a son to Jerry Jones, man. You can't, you can't fire your son. Come on, man. <laughs> you also, I mean, you, you can't always hire your son either, you know. It, well, I, I agree with you. It's like I said, it's not always good to hire family members. You know what I'm saying? Because it's hard to fire family members because it goes from being family to now we're not going to be family anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now it's personal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be very careful when you when you think about hiring some people that cousins, siblings, uh, aunties, uncles. Man, you want to stay away from them people because it's hard to fire. It's hard to fire people that you are family with and people that you're really close to. Mm-hmm. Cause it, the relationship is not always gonna end the way it started. It's no, gonna, you know, it's gonna stuff gonna be weird <laughs> when it gets when stuff gets sideways. It, it does think it can't be the man, same. Somebody, go back. somebody can't come to the family reunion, man. The family reunion <laughs> all messed up. You you That's you got hey, hey, everybody's not gonna be happy at the family reunion, man. They, everybody gonna know that. They gonna know what smoke is uh what smoke is out there. Yep. And, and family and friends, you know, like I said, do not hire your close friends and do not hire your family if you if you wanna have some peace at night. 
Because if it's someone else, it's okay to get, you know, to fire someone, but it hurts when you fire your family and you got to see them at the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this NBA bubble, man, first of all, just came out. Former cat, Eric Bledsoe for the Bucks just tested positive for COVID and he's not going to Orlando. So that's the dynamic. You know, they was a favorite in the East. Mm-hmm. Played a key role in the East. Right. Uh, but he's not going to be going to Orlando now. This bubble, look, you you haven't been that long retired. And we went through different scenarios of if you played, how you'd approach it. What would you be doing in the bubble? You talked about last week you played a lot of cards. You talked about mm-hmm. hanging out with Dominique last week in Vegas. Would you be – would you just be laying low? That's that – there we go with Nate Dog again. You laying low in the bubble? Yeah. Are you snitching like – snitching you got to lay low. <laughs> you know, I, you to be honest with you, I, I think it depends on my age, man. I think if, if I was between 20 to 25 – I would be probably, I mean, not reckless, but I would not be following the rules. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be following the guidelines. You know what I'm saying? So that's the key for certain guys, certain age, for a certain age group. Now, if I'm older, and let's say older being, let's say 27 to about 30, 35, is I think I can stay focused. I think two months or three months, I can sacrifice for three months. You know what I'm saying? And so to me, it's going to be the different age groups trying to figure out, you know, you know, how can I still have fun? I still love basketball, but I still like, you know, maybe going out a little bit, having some fun and, and, and not following all the rules, you know, not, not wanting to go to the club, but I don't want to have my mask on because I want to look, look somewhat cool. You know what I'm saying? I can't be cool with my mask on unless I got a, a Gucci or a Louis Vuitton. <laughs> then it's kind of, it's kind of cool, but I still think, the age group will determine how this bubble really works. But, you know, it's almost like you got to have not only security, I think you got to have curfews, which, you know, it's hard for you to give a grown man a curfew and be like, man, you got to be back. You can't go do this. And when you, as I said earlier, and we talked about like when you, it's like Jerry Jones is, and some of these owners and some of these guys have a lot of money is, you know, we don't hear a note at all. And no is, is something that's not in our vocabulary. We hear no is like, what do you mean no? I've always been told, yes, I can do what I want to do. And I've always, especially when you got to the point where you have been doing what you want to do without someone telling you now, it's kind of like there's restriction on what you can do. And I think that's the hardest thing for men in power, men to have money, is to have restriction. Are you of the belief that, you know, powerful, influential, wealthy people should have a person in their group, in their entourage that just tells them no, to put them in check because hey, you don't, yeah. want to, you don't want to, hey, you don't this, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. You that's yeah. not a good idea. You you gotta man, have you don't need to have put like this. A V and my crew, man, I I did not have no yes dudes in my crew. Like like we we all held each other accountable, and those were the guys that I grew up with. We still friends to this day. And them dudes, when I did something wrong, they told me I did something wrong, and vice versa. No, I, I didn't. I didn't want to have guys telling me, man, you know, stuff to make me feel good. When I'm when I'm wrong, tell them I'm wrong, and then I'm man enough to apologize. So there's there's, there's a different levels of maturity, and even going back to the age group is that there's a maturity level that that you're gonna that gain you're gonna gain that maturity level at a certain age, and early on, 
not everybody's going to have the maturity level that they need, especially when you try to say, hey, follow these guidelines. Yeah. And with all this going off in the bubble, uh, I think it was, it wasn't Woj because he's suspended. The other dude, Shams, said that it's already been all kind of calls coming into the snitch hotline. Is that Chris Paul making all those calls? Is it everybody? Is that just a foregone conclu- conclusion that he's hey, the one? <laughs> I tell people, hey, mind your business, man. <laughs> don't worry. Hey, somebody told me, don't worry about the snake in the grass. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, worry about yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mind your own business. But it, it, it's hard because by not minding your business, going out doing something, you, you can affect and pass it on to other people. So I do understand, you know, where guys are coming from. So really, it's like I said, it's about being mature, being a professional man, and and knowing that you got to be in this bubble for the next two to three months. And man up, man yeah. up, man. You know, sacrifice. It's okay. You know, as, as parents, we got to do it for our kids. You know, we we, we make things happen that. That we that are probably gonna keep us in debt for another 30, 40 years, man. But our kids don't know it. They think mm. we got it, man. Be like, oh, you got it, dad. Go buy me this. Okay, I got you. We'll make you happy. Uh-huh. But we make sacrifices, and those guys gotta make sacrifices for their teammates. And and then the teammates, they all gotta hold each other accountable, man. Like, hey man, we we here to win a championship. And only one team is gonna win it, but you don't want anyone to get sick or possibly, you know, die from, you know, get this disease, because everybody's body reacts differently. Mm-hmm. That's it. Man, flipping back to you as a shooter, did you always have that shot? Sometimes you hear guys coming in, getting recruited into college, and then the staff wants to kind of change their shot. Was Mm -hmm. your stroke what it was in high school, you and your brother Leslie in the lab coming up, or did you change it or tweak it at any point in time? No, I really never tweaked it. It was – I was having this conversation with – a really good friend of mine. He's like one, like family. I mean, Lawrence Butler. We were just talking about me in high school. I was a scorer in high school, so I never really tweaked my my shot at any point in time. And I remember going to Kentucky. You know, Coach Coach Patino was talking about, hey, we might need to change your shot. You know, but I was consistent with my shot. And when you start seeing someone be consistent shooting, I don't think you need to even need to worry about even you know the thought in your head that we're going to change this guy's shot because. If I'm making, let's say, open shots, seven, eight, nine out of ten, and shooting drills, why would you change my shot? There's no need to change my shot. And if I'm making one, one out of five, or two out of ten, three out of sixteen, then you know I'm going to listen to you. And there might be a change or or a tweak in my mechanics that you can help me with. But I don't think at a certain age you want to start trying to change people's shots. You know what I'm saying? So you got to really. As, as many guys I have come through my gym is everybody has a different shot. But what I tell them is, can you be consistent shooting that shot? That's all you got to ask yourself. Can I make this shot? If we shoot 10 shots, mid-range shots, can you make seven out of 10 comfortably where it's not all over the place? And then I told them, I said, great shooters. I, I became a better shooter when I got to college because of the mechanics and shooting game speed and, individual training and individual instruction was something that really be focused on shooting, but great shooters make the ball land in the paint. And I can remember shooting for, uh, shoot myself and rebounding. And I made sure when I shot the ball that it landed in the paint. So even though I shot the ball from the three point line that went in, it was, it was a soft shot. It landed in the paint. I would grab the rebound, dribble out, take another three pointer. The ball would land in the same place. So really it was shooting the same shot from from start to finish, you know, having soft hands, uh, having, like I said, great mechanics, 
you know, with the follow through and leaving your wrist and shooting the ball with arc on it, making sure you have a great stance. And those are things that I was always consistent with learning how to use the left, right footwork, the right, left footwork. All the thing I emphasize with my kids now is working on those kind of things and making sure that they are consistent with it. You know what I'm saying? So consistency, repetition is how you become a good shooter. That makes sense. That makes sense. You got to talk about Memphis. You're from Brownsville right outside there. The two cousins that got in a fight about, you know, shots fired <laughs> as to whether wow. he's a good coach or not. Now yeah, that's, that's your neck of the woods, man. Tell me about the nine on one. I know, man. <laughs> hey, I, I was Penny's my dude, man. Penny's one of my favorite players growing up. I got a chance to uh, play with play with Penny in Phoenix, and known Penny for many years. But uh, man, to get shot and killed over <laughs> over argument, over you know coaching, man, I've never heard of such a thing, man. Maybe, hey, maybe over some Eric Jordan. You know, you know, you might. You might get upset with someone and, you know, something happened. But to, to actually to assault and murder a guy over coaching, like, that's beyond the point of stupidity. Beyond. Yeah. Because now, you know, who you going to argue with now when you go to prison? Mm -hmm. Nobody care about, you know, how Penny coached when he was, you know, at Memphis or what he, what he did at, at, when he was in on the AAU circuit, what he did in high school. They're going to be like, man, you went here because – you got into an argument over God because he didn't like – y'all didn't agree. So that's what I'm saying, even going back to our conversation. Everybody got an opinion. Yeah. And, when, and when, I, when we don't agree, they don't cause me to kill you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you like somebody – you like a team. I don't like a team. I'm not going to kill you because you like the Cowboys. You know, yeah. I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> you, you've been in pain for all these years. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And you, you, yeah, and you die slowly anyway. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm gonna let you die slowly, man, until you yeah. find a good team. <laughs> I'm, bleeding. I'm bleeding out up here, man. Bleeding out, man. Slow bleed, man. It's slow cut, man. You got a paper cut, man. <laughs> That's true. That's it. I'm, I'm oh bleeding. man, yeah. That 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 was, uh, man. That was that that was when I tell you embarrassing, and and, and just from my state alone, I was like, man, I can't even. I have a good friend that, you know, we talk about Penny coaching. And I told him when, you know, when Tubby left, I said, I think Penny's going to do a good job based on his, you know, his, his um, you know, his, his history in Memphis and then just his connections and the people want to see him succeed. So people go above and beyond to help you when, you know, you're a good person and you try to get back to the community. And that's what Penny is, you know, has, has always done. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when it comes down to coaching, you know, like I said, it's, it's the opinions of others that, you know, even if you win a championship, there's still going to be there's still gonna be naysayers and people who don't like you. And at the end of the day, like I said, everyone has – everyone's entitled to their own, their own opinion, but it doesn't make it right. Mm -hmm. And if they just, you know, give him two or three years, they, they'll see if he's going to pan out in Memphis or not. Yeah. Know, instead of, you know, coming to blows and, and gunshots. In 20, well, 2012, when Kentucky was going on to win a title – you know, played Louisville in the Final Four, and you had the two old dudes in the Dallas Center that were fighting the Kentucky fan and the Louisville fan, and that was bad. But this, this takes the cake with you know these dudes down here you know, shooting over Penny. So yeah, that that that, that goes that goes beyond. Yeah, you know, just yeah. a uh, just a conversation or 
a fist brawl. You know what I'm saying? When someone pulls out a gun, I mean, now, not only can you, you know, I don't, I don't know how many people around, but you know, you, you can injure to kill someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, bullets, bullets don't have any eyes on them. So, mm-hmm. you know, while you're sitting there pulling out your gun and who knows if you had a gun or somebody else had a gun, like, you know, it's, it's too much. I think right now, there's so much tension right now. And I think people just need to fall back, relax a little bit, you know, and when it comes down to your personal feelings, and I think men is about ego, you know, sometimes, you know what, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to apologize. And then it's okay to walk away. You know what? Okay, cool. That's how you feel. All right. But I have something to live for. I have a family. I have, you know, have kids, you know, so you don't think about those things until after the fact, because now you think about one person's dead, other person. So now families have been destroyed, you know, over, over just a, a heated argument that, okay, that's how you feel. I feel a different way. Boo, let's walk away. But now you got two, two, two alphas. And with that being said, that means somebody, no, no one is going to back down. I'm not backing down. You're not going to back down. So we know what that's going to lead to. Yeah, and then you just, whoever flies off the handle first is the one yeah. that's going to do something that they're going to regret. Like you right. said, just fall back, dial it down. But Man, relax. Mm-hmm. Relax, man. It's not that serious. That's right. That's right. Man, we talked uh, last week, too, you know, we talked about the denim. We talked about why you are second to Wayne Turner in steals, you know, because you played in denim and played fewer games, like we mentioned. <laughs> uh, when people come up to you now, Kentucky fans, what are the, what are the, the things you usually always hear? What are, you know, you're my favorite player. What are the things that you hear the most when, when Kentucky fans run into Tony Dell? I think how much I enjoyed being a Wildcat. You know, what, 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 what does, what did wearing the blue mean to you? You know, how important was it for you to understand the tradition that you played for? And when I think about it, you know, especially being a freshman is, you know, you just come to school, you just come to play basketball. And I appreciated all the tradition after I left. You know, I was, I was kind of caught up in being a player and thinking about Tony Delk and how I could help our team win a championship. And then once you leave, you really can sit back and kind of look at the body of work that, that, that I did. But also um, looking at some of the names up in the Raptors, man, getting the chance to know like the Jack Gibbons, man, the, the Kyle Macy, you know, uh, being around a Sam Bowie, seeing some of those guys, man, you know, it, it, it was special. You know, even when I go back now, man, I'm still a fan of like uh, when I see Kenny and Sam and, and Jack, man, I'm, I'm, I'm huge fans of those guys yeah. because of how they paved the way for myself and so many other, you know, uh, black players, you know, because those guys, you know, you think about, you know, in the 70s, things were different than they are right now. And that's something that, you know, we never really discussed because we had so many, you know, black athletes, but you take it back like in the 50s and 60s, there wasn't black athletes at Kentucky, you know, so – Somebody had to pave the way, and someone had someone had to be the first person to come there and accomplish that. So you know, there, there's a lot of tradition that you know that some of us don't know about. But when you start thinking about, you know, players who played, you know, years before us, decades before us, man, and, and what what those guys had to endure and what they had to go through to put us in a position where we're at right now, to just be comfortable, you know, just to go to a place like we know sometimes, you know, there will be some racist slurs thrown at you, you know, um, 
when you play in a different in a different city, you know. And, and I did hear some of those, you know. And I and I paid. I was immune. I became immune to it because of you know the town that I grew up in, certain things I saw, and I I, I just like I said, I stayed in my lane. But you know, it, it, it's it's always something that's in the back of my mind, you know, how people really felt, you know. And when you say something, you know, it's, it's like when like old people they get old and when somebody's drinking, little kid, they tell the truth. What comes out of their mouth is usually the truth. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> some of this stuff that we hear and how people really feel or what they're saying, it's, it's how they really feel. Don't apologize because I like to know who you are. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's easy for me to deal with you. And when I see you, I'm like, okay, cool. That's who you are? All right. Yeah, I'm not tripping now. But it's, it's the ones who, like I said, we said earlier about you anonymous. Say who you are, live it, preach it, walk it, and now let us judge and, and be the judge and the jury and let us decide if we want to deal with you. That's just being real. Exactly. You mentioned, um, you know, 50s and 60s, not a lot of black players in Kentucky. You, you had, you know, your teammate, uh, Karen Mills, did a documentary on Reggie Warford, who was the first African-American to graduate. You know, you had, right. you had John Payne that played for a year or two, but then mm -hmm. Warford was there like by himself, the football players on the other end of campus. And I don't know if you saw it, uh, I think it's fight for his life or something like that. Cause you know, he's got a lot of health problems now, mm -hmm. uh, but Reggie Warford played for Kentucky on the 70, was it 77 when they won the NIT. I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a, a, a lot of a good run during that uh, time. Right. But uh, first black player to graduate, basketball player from mm -hmm. UK. Um, but yeah, that's a really good documentary that that you got Cam did. And, and, and I, here's here's the truth: I have to watch that. Like I, I've been, I, I have it. I haven't seen it yet. I, I heard Cam did a a, a fabulous job yeah. in directing that. So I have to really get back and you know, once this AAU season's over, I have about three weeks, and I have to get back into watch watching some documentaries, but. That will be at the top of my list, you know, just based on what, what we're talking about right now mm. and just, um, you know, what he endured as a black athlete uh, in Lexington, but just on that campus in general is something that I really want to, you know, just kind of you know, dive, dive into it and kind of figure out if there's something where, you know, even as I speak to people about, you know, what happened at Kentucky, all the great things at Kentucky, you know, somebody had to pave the way for us. And, you know, like I said, Reggie was one of those guys that when he stepped on that campus, you know, it was, it was, it was him by himself, man. It, it was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm the only soldier here, mm -hmm. but, he, but he came, I, I can, I can guarantee you, but you know, every day he knew he was fighting for something that was bigger than just him playing at UK. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed Jack and, and a lot of players that right there with him. Uh, uh, Clem Haskins' brother, who came right a couple years after him, played for Kentucky. So, you know, guys that saw him go and do what he did. So it was really, it's a really cool documentary, and you will will definitely enjoy it. Um, do people? Did you come in like defensively? You mentioned, you know, second in steals. I think a lot of people probably would just sleep on that because you're such a good shooter. Right. Like, memories of Tony Delk shooting threes. I was on a little. Facebook post the other day, um, you know, I, I've joined all these little people invite me to these little groups, you know, I write articles, they know about the shows about Kentucky stuff. So it's 
lots of fan groups, you know, and, and so I'll put the links to these podcasts in there. You know, people see them, watch them because it's all UK fans. And one of the, the threads, somebody just posted, what is the first thing you think of when you think of Kentucky basketball? And you know, your Adolph Rupp, Dan Issel, I think about K. Wood Leffer, I think about mm-hmm. Robert Arena, Memorial Coliseum. But there's a lot of Tony Delk comments. Tony Delk, Tony Delk, Tony Delk was my favorite player. I think about Tony Delk shooting those threes. And so every one of those Tony Delk comments, I'll send them a link to the podcast. I'm, I'm privileged to do a podcast with Tony Delk. I think you enjoy it. A couple of dudes have already subscribed on Spotify and been listening to it. <laughs> was talking about last week because he a Cowboys fan too. He said, God, Tony Delk just throwing shade at the Cowboys. Right. <laughs> so I bet a lot of people sleep on the fact that you're second in steals. Mm-hmm. Or, did you consider yourself underrated defensively? Were you a great I, I think player I was. in high school or, or what? Well, no, no. Well, I'm going to tell you, I played – Okay, defense in high school, and what I this is what I, I always knew in high school. I said either, you know, you gonna get you gonna get offense, you gonna get defense. I said you want me to stay in the game, or you want me to be sitting next to the coach. And I knew in high school I couldn't get in foul trouble, so that kind of kept me kept me on the court, you know, by you know playing okay defense. I had to become a better defender when I got to Kentucky, you know, just to get playing time. But also, you know, I took I took pride in it in college. You know, I took a lot of pride in it. And I think what people, when they look at, you know, my numbers, and probably about two years ago, I was kind of, you know, going through some things. Um, I want to say I was with maybe I was doing radio, SEC radio in, in Nashville, and I was kind of going through NCAA tournament book. And I was looking at some of the records that I had then that most people don't even think about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you think about who is the all-time leading scorer at NCAA at Kentucky and who was the leading three-point shooters and steals. And so it, it goes beyond what I did during the regular season. I took pride when I made it to the NCAA tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was to me, when they said the big dance, that was like the big stage for me. So everything I did during the regular season, maybe SC tournament, there was a different Tony Doug during the NCAA tournament. You know, so that's where when I started looking at, you know, if you were to get a chance to say, okay, you know, the, 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 the tradition, the history, like I'm a part of that. You know what I'm saying? And that's something I'm proud of. Like you don't think about it until years after playing. So some of the things I'm really proud of is, is what I did in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think once I made it there, you know you can always count – you you could always count on me. You know, other than me not playing my freshman year, uh, every NCAA tournament game I played in, you know, I, I gave you 1,000%. You know, and that's just the only – that's the way I played. I, I never played an NCAA tournament game that when I walked off the court, I gave him all. I was – win or lose, I was like, man, that's all I can give you. I gave you everything. We, you know, we hit a lot of this last week, but I didn't ask you when – at what moment in that championship game against Syracuse did you let yourself – you know, oh, I'm, I'm I'm about to be a national champ. There's, was there still time on the clock? What was that moment? Yeah. It was like, all right, well, you know, all that hard work in high school, in the lab mm-hmm. with Leslie, your tough freshman year watching MASH where you you, you said, I'm a, I'm a big MASH fan because I'm sitting here watching with a clipboard. Right. With all of that that led up to you becoming a national champ, when the buzzer sounded or was you did it sink in you know with a few seconds left uh, we really about to do this when did it hit you 
I think it sucked in. It sucked. It sucked. Sucked in when I shot the last layup. Like it was the last layup. I don't know if it was from a rebound or pass out. And yeah, I could have brought the ball out, but I was like, man, I'm gonna leave college basketball making my last my last field goal. <laughs> but but also I knew I knew when I had the ball in my hand, I was like, dude, this is it. Like yeah. after this after this layup I make, there won't be no more time on on this shot clock for them to even even consider coming back. So it it was it was that drive in the back of my mind. And I knew then I was like, it's over with, man. We can cut these nets down. And everything, everything I did was for a great cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was just that. It's got to be that moment where it clicks for everybody, you know, you know, whether the buzzer sounds or when you're cutting out the nets or, like you said, on your way to put it in right before time expires. So that's, that's cool. Um, we talked Mississippi State before. I got I got to bring this up because I, I just got to see if you know. I mean, we talked about Daryl Wilson, talked about Dante, Dampier, all those guys that you played against. But first, let me just ask you, because you know, we've been all over the place anyway, but what do you think about <laughs> – it's going to sound crazy, but if I if I throw out A.C. Green, Michael Cage, what do you think about when I you – know, Jerry like, Curl. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Now, <laughs> now you might already know where I'm going. There's a dude from Mississippi State. I don't know if he played a lot. Uh, he didn't. He didn't get as much run as Dampier and all those guys. Brian Price. Do you remember that dude? Man, that no. dude kept a Jerry Curl. It was like '94. We was watching the SEC tournament. Me and my sister was cracking up. We like this dude out here with a curl. He had and a curl. Yeah. You remember him? I don't remember him, man. <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm at the Google. I'm at the Google who that is. <laughs> I tried to look for him. I tried to find like action shots or something. I was like, this dude out here in the way past out of style, <laughs> rocking the Jerry Curl. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna ask Tony if you remember Brian Price. He was. I don't a, remember him, man. I do he was not. like a small forward, like six seven, six eight. I don't know where he was from. He was at Mississippi State for a couple of years. I think he like college basketball reference. He's there, but I don't know if there's any stats. But I'm like, man, I gotta see if you remember that dude rocking that Jerry Curl like 90, 94. No, nah, I don't, man. I don't. <laughs> see, that's why I said that's why I said AC Green and Michael Cage. Because if I just said AC Green, we could have went a lot of different ways. We just said, yeah, we could have, man. But <laughs> you said Michael Cage, I was like Jerry Curl. <laughs> Exactly, man. But anyway, I'll I'll have to try to keep Googling, keep searching or something, see if I can find a just a clip of Brian Price. Because I'll never forget. Man, we do, man. Yeah. But the Reggie uh Warford doc is a I think a fight fight of his life. So yeah, man. Okay. Definitely check that out. And uh and speaking of your boy Cam, man, he he about to he about to tie that knot. Just propose. I just saw, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. just reading about Cam. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, man. Yeah. Did somebody, did somebody pick Cam? <laughs> Again. I know, man. I'm like, all right, Cam, do, do, yeah. do the thing, man. Do the thing, man. Yeah. Best of luck to you too. That's right. That's right. Cause I know y'all got the, got the big group text thing. Y'all got the big group Twitter thing. So you know, y'all keep in touch. How crazy is it that? You was just talking about your your twenty year reunion in Miami, and now that's almost five years ago. Yeah, it's scary, man. Time is time is moving, man. You know, so we just gotta, as you know, doing this doing this uh, 
Corona time, I'm just really taking it one day at a time. You know, I'm not trying to look too far ahead. I would like to plan some things, but I'm just going to take it one day at a time. You know, I tell my, my, my AAU uh, program, the directors, and as we, you know, map out the schedule for the month, hey, man, let's just get through July, and then we'll see what happens in August. And, you know, from that point on, we'll, we'll see by the fall league. I don't want to think – first of all, I just want to get this season over with, to be honest with you. And we have three more tournaments, two after this weekend. And um, then I can vacation. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> going to a secluded island, man. Going to a secluded island. Sounds good. Yeah, that's the place to be. Ain't got to worry about nobody, no crowds. Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, fast forward. I know you can't wait for that. And uh, hopefully July goes well and it'll be vacation time and recharge your batteries time. And yes, time, I need it. Yes, I need, I need to, I need to uh, reboot the brain, man. There you go. Well, man, we had fun. And, and, and look, if, if NFL comes, y'all, it's, it's going to be me and TD just knocking oh, no heads every week. So y'all just get used to that. Uh, we started off with baseball, threw some shade in there by football, worked in what little bit of basketball news there is, and, and hopefully Eric Bledsoe recovers well, and Russell Westbrook right. got it, and whoever else has got it. Uh, hopefully the NBA can get through July and the bubble and, and yeah. they got going too, man. But uh, first nighttime thing, we, we threw the curveball, have fun like we always do. and Absolutely. All the best with the games tomorrow, and, you know, go get them, Coach. We're going to do what we can do, man. We're going to have fun. All our our viewers, believe me, Kentucky, we're going to keep this podcast going. Follow us. Follow V. Follow myself. And keep supporting us. Keep promoting us. You know, keep marketing, you know, what we're doing. And we're going to keep doing our thing on our end. And uh, send us those questions so we can answer those on air. Absolutely. Y'all take care. Like I said, like Tony said, follow us. Give us those five stars. Follow us on Twitter, TLDelp00, at Vinny Hardy. Another app of Believing Kentucky. Y'all take care now. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.